Section 17 of The Rainbow Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shasta, Oakland, California. The Rainbow Book by Mabel Henrietta Spielman. Cedric's Unaccountable Adventure Part 1 Cedric was flying his kite in a flowery meadow close to his home in Cornwall. It was a favorite spot of his, for he was a boy who loved beautiful scenery, and from there he could get a glimpse of Land's End with its great rocks around which the waves frothed and gambled and broke and gurgled away. The day was gray and windy, just the sort of day for flying a kite. This kite was of the old-fashioned sort, with a tail of its own making, and as it soared away higher and higher, with the tail wriggling its great length, like a happy eel on a holiday. His heart was full of pride and content. He kept on unwinding and unwinding the large ball of string until he began to wonder if his kite would still be in view by the time he had unwound it all. The wind was increasing in strength when, to his astonishment, and apparently for no reason at all, the pull on his arm suddenly relaxed, and the kite, all at once, dropped quickly to earth, tail first. Cedric darted forward to where it lay some distance ahead. When he reached it, he flung himself alongside to examine it carefully. He could find no rent, no damage. Nothing was wrong. There was nothing, apparently, to account for such peculiar behavior in his hitherto well-conducted kite. As he passed his hand over it where it lay, he felt underneath it, entangled in the tail, something hard. He could see it glistening through. He quickly drew it forth and found in his hand a golden key. Hello, what's this? exclaimed Cedric as he knelt down and turned his discovery over and over. A yellow key. However did it get there? was his next thought. He continued to ask himself the riddle, but finding no answer, he gave it up and carefully examined the key. There was no mark on it. It wouldn't even whistle when he tried it. Someone must have lost it, I suppose, he went on and concluded. Well, it's no use to me. 
and he threw it away. Seating himself on the grass, he soon became absorbed in getting his kite all trim again, and had temporarily secured the string to a bush when his attraction was attracted by the key which lay and glistened as if it knew it was glistening cedric didn't care to trouble with it but instinctively he picked it up and said i wonder where this key belongs to at that moment his view of the land's end became slowly obscured by a huge iron door the lock of which was outlined with gold he tried the key he held it fitted a turn the heavy door was unlocked and he put the key in his pocket he turned the handle pushed the door open just enough to squeeze through and it swung to behind him there had been a great commotion in fairyland the gnomes who formed the opposition party had turned disloyal and wanted a republic whereupon the king hurt in his dignity insisted upon abdicating in fact he was tired of power and glad of the excuse to resign in spite of the prayers and entreaties of those who desired him to remain in office he returned to the treasury the golden key together with the crown and other royal jewels and to the concern of everyone who wasn't a gnome went forth to play skittles his sole interest and only hobby of all the regalia the most precious object was the golden key for whoever held it was made king of fairyland by virtue of its possession and it was ordained that it could only be parted with at the monarch's free will it could be surrendered it could not be withdrawn so the old king deposited it in the treasury leaving his people the faithful and unfaithful alike to fight out the matter as best they could in so doing they fought their very best the quarrel between the gnomes and the fairies waxed furious in their patriotic eagerness to get their own way but while blows were exchanged and relations were otherwise strained and the monarchists generally speaking were highly annoyed and the republicans were even more perturbed the latter suddenly lay low and hatched an audacious plot so daring was it 
that it made their grotesque and stunted little bodies tremble as they thought of it and their gnarled feet shook in their shoes this plot involved nothing less than a theft of the golden key the symbol of royalty was to be taken to the mountain top and flung far away outside the boundaries of fairydom and a republic proclaimed and acclaimed a monarchy could no longer be possible meanwhile the guileless fairies recking nothing of this and rejoicing in what they thought to be the discomfiture of their adversaries chose the popular crown princess for the succession and began with much pomp and circumstance the ceremony of investing her with the golden key they had proceeded up to a certain point when to their horror and amazement on opening the treasure chamber to bear the symbol in solemn procession upon a velvet cushion as the law demanded they discovered that the golden key was gone cedric suddenly guessed that he possessed the key to fairyland for he found himself in a sun-bathed valley with clouds of rainbow hues in the azure sky above in the distance he beheld a rippling lake of golden water on the borders of which stood a palace made of gems gathered from the circling mountains which stood as sentinels around the valley down these mountains meandered little golden rills that fed the lake nothing stirred but gaily colored birds which fluttered amongst the blossoming fruit trees and the rich and dainty flowers all around the lake as though from nowhere sprang crowds of fairies gnomes pixies and sprites they were landing from the tiny flower-decked craft forming processions hurrying in and out of the palace presenting to cedric's astonished gaze a scene of wonderful animation and pretty bustle great preparations were apparently proceeding after a time they gathered together in waiting crowds which stretched a long distance on either side of the approach to the shimmering edifice and the words came to him with curious distinctness hail cedric king of fairyland king of fairyland stammered the boy in bewilderment am i king of fairyland you're only making fun i've only been flying my kite 
I can't be a king. Of course, your majesty has got the key, remarked the funny little old man at his elbow. Yes, replied Cedric, starting at the suddenness of the answer to his question, but vastly surprised and amused, too, at the quaint way in which he was addressed. Very well, then, of course, we all know you must have found it, or you couldn't be here. I'd far rather you had it than I. Experience has taught me that much. Good morning, young gentleman. May it bring you more pleasure than it brought me. And with a chuckle, the little old man bowed himself away. Cedric had no time to think, for a gorgeous equipage stopped just in front of him. The door flew open. The boy, guessing what was expected of him, quickly stepped inside, and wondering at this grandeur, the new king of Fairyland was borne swiftly through the serried ranks of his bowing subjects to the doors of his magnificent palace. Soldiers presented arms. A national air was played on lutes and harps, and Cedric passed through the gates, followed by as many of the populace as had tickets of admission to witness the most wonderful coronation you ever saw. Part Two In the throne room, on a throne of diamonds, Cedric sat in royal robes, and on his head was a golden crown, which had been taken as being about his size from the dome of the crown palace. Grouped near him were the aristocracy of Fairyland, prominent among them the crown princess and her great friend and neighbor, the queen of Gossamerland, both young, both beautiful, and both unmarried. When the ceremony was over, and the shout, Hail, Cedric, King of Fairyland, echoed once more, the boy, prompted by the Lord High Chamberlain, rose and bowed his delighted acknowledgments, while the crowds outside cheered for all they were worth. He kept standing in order to receive the general homage with the quiet confidence of one who had been used to that sort of thing every day of his life. Little did he guess that the populace of Fairyland, who were acclaiming him down to the tiniest sprite, were far from pleased to have a mortal on their throne, that the gnomes were plotting with the fairies this time to depose him for the key 
had come back to their land and was never likely to be stolen again they had all put their heads together how to make cedric part with it of his own free will according to law and they knew they had to accomplish their end by their wits as no other means held good it was their desire now to elect their ruler by putting the matter to the country to vote and thus please both parties the gnomes who had had time to consider it were dumbfounded at their stupidity in having thrown the key into mortal land and they regretted it when it was too late a fair lady wearing a tiny crown stepped forward and curtsied low before her monarch it was the crown princess cedric wanted to detain her but it wasn't etiquette and she smiled to herself as she swept past with her maids of honor she was followed by her dark friend who kissed cedric's hand her face was more beautiful than any he had ever beheld in obedience to his wish that she should speak to him the little queen of gossamerland smiled and said sire i have often heard of mortals but never saw one before it is said that some of them never dream of coming to our country that others often do but they never come really you know your majesty is the very first will you graciously tell me how it feels cedric laughed and coughed nervously and replied that it felt very pleasant and comfortable she turned her head as she withdrew and whispered anxiously do not part with the golden key as you value your throne the words and still more the impressive and forceful manner of the dazzling little queen puzzled him he determined nevertheless to follow advice so fatefully given but he couldn't help pondering over it and his face was graver as he bowed to the lords and ladies and high-born gnomes who had the honor of introduction escorted by the whole of the brilliant company king cedric left his palace in order formally to do some good deed which was part of the ancient ceremonial he was to open a new institution for fairies who had lost their arts and crafts and livelihoods too when they arrived at the building it was announced that the key which was to have been presented to him was not forthcoming consternation 
real or assumed cedric didn't believe in it followed on the strange declaration of those who were responsible for the carelessness amid profuse apologies the lord high chamber begged the king that he would use the golden key which being a master key could of course take the place of any other acting on the advice given him and alive to the evident importance of retaining the key which was also the key to his position cedric politely and graciously refused at which there was considerable sensation arguments and persuasion were in vain but at last he yielded to the entreaties of those needy fairies who badly wanted their institution himself he inserted the key which was found to fit as was to be expected but when he wanted to withdraw it it had stuck and was immovable the lock had been carefully arranged that it should be so triumph and amusement were on every face except his i have been betrayed muttered cedric as he wondered what on fairyland he should do next there was silence a breathless interval during which the boy never relaxed his hold on his treasured possession cut away the lock he commanded at this order the people murmured loudly but soon fell into silence for they were bound by their constitution to obey their monarch in a few moments the golden key was again safe in cedric's pocket and mistrust was in his heart as it had been in that of nearly every king who ever reigned the coronation ceremony was over and the company had dispersed so cedric found himself at liberty to saunter forth he hadn't proceeded more than a few yards in the brilliant landscape when a rabbit renowned for his white gloves bounded up to him and humbly begged it might be his majesty's pleasure to receive some famous members of animal fairyland who were anxious to render homage cedric replied royally with a dignified nod and followed the creature as it led the way to a clearing in a forest close by here explained the rabbit the animals were allowed full liberty to say what they pleased but beyond the boundaries they were only able to make strange noises which their own families alone 
could understand and it was thus that the secrets of the fairyland were kept from the world outside upon a throne made from a cutting of the famous beanstalk grown for the original jack king cedric seated himself and awaited events he hadn't long to wait for a fox trotted up and bade him welcome to animal fairyland wonderfully tactful for his age cedric told the fox that he recognized him having read about him in grimm's tales and remarked you were so good mr fox to the poor horse at which the fox sniggered shyly and withdrew this pleasing reminiscence gave unbounded satisfaction to the various animals that had quickly gathered around cedric's inquiry of the wolf as to his digestion after that little flirtation with red riding hood's grandmother was also considered prodigiously appropriate and was greeted with cordial appreciation his quick recognition too of the three bears added greatly to his popularity but wasn't so happy in his remark to a stately swan who came up and bowed you're glad to have got rid of those ducks i suppose he observed and pray sire where did you hear about that it's a chapter of my early history i hoped had never got about oh i have read all about the ugly duckling replied cedric persuaded that the information would fill the swan with pride why you don't mean to say do you do you tell me that screamed the swan furiously almost choked with indignation and it could not finish its sentences then in a quieter but still in an angry voice it continued to think of it why i plumed myself on having been kept out of print so that family scandal has got round after all and in defiance of all etiquette the swan turned tail and waddled off the audience is over cried cedric indignantly whereupon the deputation hastily withdrew guide sire inquired a gnome suddenly presenting himself and going down on one knee guide to the fairy ring yes please and he followed him to where a number of peacocks stood on guard with their tails magnificently spread have you twopence asked the guide anxiously i'm not sure answered cedric fumbling in his pocket 
if not i'm afraid you can't be let in sire the gnome was looking afraid that the king might not fall after all into the little trap he was preparing not let me in can't i order myself through no paper allowed you can only be let in by paying the entrance fee i never heard of a king paying twopence to go in anywhere said cedric drawing himself up he was not unreasonable he felt but he was a little hurt in his dignity as sovereign i am afraid your majesty can't go against the office of works suppose i ordered the peacocks to be removed said cedric growing hot at the undignified position of a monarch unable to produce the price of a bath bun suppose i ordered their necks to be wrung or something it would be deplorably irregular and excessively unconstitutional cedric was taken at a disadvantage by the length of the words but a lucky discovery relieved him here i've got four pennies, but i call it mean that i of all people shouldn't be allowed in free it's simply to show the person is well off and to keep the place select it's the same for all in the case of royalty the amount is returned in cash at the end of the performance cedric entered alone and found the fairy ring far beyond anything he could have dreamed of thousands of little fairies wearing cunning arrangements of petals from the fruit blossoms had joined hands and were dancing round joyously raising tiny clouds of yellow dust which enveloped them as with a golden mist as he came in sight they burst into song and maneuvering cleverly until he was in their midst they showed what they could do in grace of movement and harmony of sound till quite enchanted he felt he could remain there for ever go on go on he shouted clapping his hands with delight for the little crew had come to a standstill a pixie detached himself and kneeling begged his majesty to give him the golden key what for asked cedric surprised to wind up the proceedings came the reply of the fairies who had eagerly drawn near can't said cedric do said the prettiest of the fairies in chorus 
hardly knowing what he was about so much did he want to see the entrancing dance all over again he held out the key to the applicant but noticing a peculiar gleam dart from the pixie's eyes he quickly snatched it back again and replaced it in his pocket and coming to himself found that the peacocks were once more between him and the fairy ring that twopence was in his hand and there was no one at all about then he realized how narrow his escape had been uneasy lies the head that wears a crown cedric knew that shakespeare had written that but he had never expected to learn the truth of it from experience he lay on the grass and pondered what he had better do in the trying political situation what's the use of being king of fairyland if i have to be plotted against every hour of the day muttered cedric disconsolately no use at all they were the soft tones of the little queen of gossamer land she sat down next to him and put her tiny hand on his arm what's to be done then it's very simple she rejoined give me the golden key you'll be king no longer but you'll have no responsibilities or anxieties that won't be much fun for me replied cedric besides what will you do with it the right thing i'll give it to the crown princess the rightful heir that will save the country a general election and fairy tranquillity will reign once more why did you warn me not to part with it and now you ask me for it i wanted to get it myself as soon as you would give it up so that i might deliver it to my dear friend who will become a queen like me then she can choose her husband and after being her bridesmaid i suppose i shall be married too would you marry me asked cedric bluntly why you'd have to live on honey replied the gossamer queen with a smile half sweet half malicious cedric turned it over in his mind but not for long give me the key she begged coaxingly yes but argued the boy it's worth a lot you know i wouldn't so much mind swapping it but the queen of gossamerland tired of wasting time put out her hand so prettily 
and pursed up her lips so sweetly and daintily that he did give her the golden key and she gave a kiss as a receipt then she said that the office of works would send for the crown and flitted away cedric prepared to remove his crown with a sigh to think he had no longer any right to it but first he ran to the stream that slowly floated by and took a good look at himself he smiled with pride i must say he remarked confidentially to himself i really do look every inch a king but after all i couldn't go to school with this on the fellows would be sure to notice it he started at the bare idea and laid down the crown with a feeling of good riddance as profound and grateful as ever king james the second could have experienced he felt no other pang than that of dignity too quickly swept away he placed it on the grass confident that the gossamer queen would send for it at once and he began to think of his own return now to find that door he exclaimed and looked about him to ask the way the golden lake the glittering palace the sentry of mountains all were there but no living being was inside queer place i call it said cedric to himself no cake shops only honey and no policeman to tell the way he wandered on in the hope of coming sooner or later somehow or somewhere to the door after a time he met the funny little old man who had accosted him on his arrival he was gazing hard at the boy looking right through him as though he were not there will you kindly show me the door said cedric eagerly turn you out do you mean asked ex-king the first i want to turn myself out if i can replied cedric already good morning young gentlemen ex-king the second there's a pair of us please show me the door when is a door not ajar asked the out-of-work sovereign don't ask me riddles show me the door ordered cedric in his best royal command manner and looked so threatening that the little old man quickly pointed over his shoulder cedric walked off in that direction without a word and to his joy he discovered the door just a little way in front of him 
thank goodness he exclaimed as he ran up to it and then he suddenly realized that he no longer possessed the golden key with which to open it how was he to escape he turned and looked back at what now was an immeasurable distance so very far away did it seem and there was once more bustling activity about the palace another coronation ceremony was beginning all over again the boy flung himself against the door and banged and kicked at it with all his might it was of no use oh the key the key he cried if they would only spare it from their silly triumphing for a moment and let me out he put his eye to the keyhole and with longing gaze he saw his kite on the spot he had left it with its lazy tail gently stirring by the breeze once more he looked back despairing of help the same animated fairy scene met his gaze all so indifferent to his helplessness grasping the handle of the door in his hand he shook it in desperation then he remembered he quietly turned the handle and walked out the sea breeze blew freshly as cedric freed his kite from the bush and when he looked back there was land's end just as he had seen it before and fairyland's end too he muttered for all trace of the iron door had disappeared after he passed through he stared in astonishment and couldn't make it out and the adventure remained a mystery all the days of his life end of section seventeen